more opportunity for them, where they feel safer. Uh, one of the common marks of uh, such places that people are fleeing from and trying to get away from and come to places like the U.S., one of the common marks is false religion. False religion, uh, you know, curses uh, everything about the country, about the structure of the family, the economics, the, the everything. Our um, country is not perfect, but it has a Christian uh, foundation and has Christian influence um, that went into it. And so um, there's a lot of lies that are said about our country and a lot of um, misrepresentations, a lot of history trying to be uh, rewritten, and so on and so forth. Uh, we not here, again, to deny any of the mistakes. Human beings were used to begin our nation, and wherever there's human beings, there's, there's going to be problems. <laughs> But there was an influence of, of Christianity and that greatly went into uh, the forming and establishing of our government and our laws. And that has served us very, very well. Christianity has been the predominant uh, religion and, and faith you know, in our country for uh, many years. And, um, and again, that has served us uh, well. And so um, this is important to understand that um, because if we're going to see any correction of course in our nation today, it's going to come by way of Christian influence, uh, which is actually in decline and sin is on the rise like never before. But we contend and pray for revival. And the idea is to get folks to focus on uh, Jesus. And he is the focus, or should be the focus, for Christmas. Matthew 1, 18 through 25, I do want to minister on supernatural Christmas miracle. It's what I've titled the message here this morning. The birth of Christ is the biggest miracle uh, of all, that God would become a man, be born through a virgin, and come and live amongst us, live a perfect life, die on the cross, pay the price for our sins, make it possible for us to make heaven our home through faith in him, and then us actually becoming born again uh, by placing our faith in what he did for us and accomplished for us on the cross and being filled with his spirit, yielding full right away to his spirit and his word, that we could be changed, born again, and make heaven our home uh, through his sacrifice where he paid for our sins. This is a great, great supernatural miracle. And Matthew 18, I'm sorry, 1, 18 through 25, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed, uh, to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. What a supernatural miracle that is. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away very secretly. But while he thought about these things, because no doubt he would begin to 
what a good man that, you know, he first prioritized her safety, you know, regardless to where he was at in terms of, you know, well, okay, you can see by the Holy Spirit you're pregnant. Well, okay, first of all, uh, especially in that culture in that time, um, you know, she would need to be protected, you know. And so, uh, because that would be looked down upon really bad um, if they thought she had uh, fornicated, committed adultery, and got pregnant. And so, but he prioritizes her safety, puts her away, looks after her, and then uh, he's pondering this. No doubt things are going through his mind. But while he thought about these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. The incarnation of Jesus Christ. We are talking about deity uh, that embodies flesh. It is a mystery. It is a miracle. This is why we serve God according to faith, not uh, the limitations of human reasoning, because uh, we cannot comprehend or fully understand this, but we take God at his word, and our lives are changed uh, for it. And this is how we know it's true. And beyond uh, what human reasoning is capable of explaining, God's word states clearly, and we choose to believe and have faith. Our salvation is dependent upon it, upon having faith. Many people want to explain away, oh, I believe in Jesus, I just don't know about all that virgin birth stuff. Well, listen, then you, you don't have the right Jesus, and you can't be saved. You can't change who Jesus is. You can't change how he came to this earth. You can't change anything about how he lived and how he died and rose again. You can't change any of that stuff and, and, and be saved because you have to believe every bit of that because every bit of that is who he is. Can you say amen? And, you know, again, we serve him according to who he is and not you know, according to what we can or cannot um, explain. And again, we are all the better for it. He changes us from the inside out. He changes us. We become born again. Uh, we see things differently. We think differently. We know beyond, an, beyond a shadow of a doubt uh, that we have been changed by the supernatural inner working power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus became the only babe the world would ever know that did not have a direct blood father because, again, he was born 
of a virgin. It is a supernatural birth that when, again, accepted in faith, we are positioned to experience a supernatural change within our lives. John 3.3, 3, Jesus tells um, Nicodemus, unless a man be born again, he cannot uh, you know, in, uh, enter the kingdom of God. And, and, and this is a mystery, you know, to this uh, religious teacher, you know, who teaches the scriptures and teaches spiritual things. He doesn't get this. Can a man, you know, uh, climb back into his mother's womb and be born uh, again? You know, again, he's just thinking with the limitations of, of human reasoning. And Jesus is trying to explain to him uh, that, no, a supernatural uh, a change where you literally become a new person. You're not the same person anymore. It's supernatural. It is something that only God uh, can do. It's not just about going to church and becoming a better person. <laughs> this is about coming in contact and entering into a relationship with uh, the risen Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And being filled with the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And we are to seek him for our whole lives. Again, we're not ever going to uh, fully understand, get our mind around. I mean, God is, is three. He's, he's three persons, but one God. You can't get your mind around that. That is impossible to understand humanly. We accept it in faith. It's how God presents himself uh, to us. It's who he says he is. He is uh, three persons, but one God. He is the Heavenly Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you cannot have the God of the Bible without understanding that those three are one. And so faith begins, you know, right here at this point. Taking God uh, at his word. Believing God for who he says he is, as Hebrew says. Uh, that is faith. You got to believe who God says he is. If not, then it's not faith. And without faith, it is impossible. It is impossible to please him. Okay? And he is the God who sent his son uh, and was born of a virgin. That, that is part of who he is. And so uh, this morning, if we are going to have experience and, and our lives are going to be changed and we're going to be saved, and we're going to make heaven our home, we're, we're going to have to have faith in who he says he is. He was a man born of a virgin who supernaturally, uh, she supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit. I saw um, on um, uh, a news clip here the other day, an immigrant had made it across the border and was being interviewed, and he said, I just thank God and the Virgin of Guadalupe that I am here. And I says, no, <laughs> I don't know who the Virgin of Guadalupe is, but she don't have one single thing to do with why you're here. But she probably has a lot to do with why you left where you came from, 
okay? Because you're, you're, um, you are talking about something that has to do with Mary worship. It's false religion, and it will curse your, um, your life. It will curse your uh, country as it has and, 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 and continues to do so. And um, it, it's a lie. She was a person just like us. She was someone whom herself needed to be saved. She is not a supernatural person. She had a supernatural experience. And so for God to become a man, he had to be born through a human. But again, he didn't want the tainting of sin that has infected the human race. So there is not a direct blood father. She had to conceive by the Holy Spirit. This way he could maintain the purity of his deity, but at the same time become a man. So Jesus was fully man. Jesus was fully God. And again, this is incomprehensible uh, to our human minds. But uh, it, it makes sense that if the second Adam, which sometimes is what Jesus is referred to, was to buy back what the first Adam lost. And the first Adam was perfect when he was created, but he sinned and he fell. And the sin entered into the human race. And so you can't undo that. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So how do you, how do you get around that? You know, uh, who's going to pay for that? Who's going to pay for the sins? You know, so God says, I will do it. I will become a man, but I, I, I can't take the, the sin-tainted blood from man. Gonna, to become a man, I'm going to have to be born through a man, a warm man. But she will not conceive from the tainted seed of man. She will conceive by the Holy Spirit. It's a perfect plan. It's ingenious. <laughs> we can't completely understand it, but it, 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 I'm sure uh, Satan threw a fit about that. It's not fair, God. But Satan doesn't write the rules. Thank God. God writes the rules. Amen. And he's very redemptive, and he takes these extraordinary measures in order to redeem us. And if we have his spirit, we uh, would go the extra mile in being redemptive ourselves and not just quick to judge. Because God literally is just doing everything he can to not judge us. And this is what is also so powerful and wonderful about the supernatural miracle of God becoming a man, the incarnation of Jesus. He had to be born pure. And so, again, you know, there is the, the human um, uh, factor there, but he kept that in check. He kept that under the dominion of the Spirit of, of God. The Bible tells us that in all points he was tempted as we are. So he sympathized, he understands, but he demonstrated that it is possible to, to live a life uh, walking in the Spirit and, and not in the flesh. And, of course, he did that perfectly. And uh, none of us have done that or will do that as perfect as he, but that is our standard and that is our goal. He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us. 
And if we fall short, he is redemptive. He will convict us. We can quickly repent and uh, stay on, on course and by and large learn what it means ourselves to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. We be filled with his Spirit and, and walk and live according to the guiding of his Spirit um, versus the inclinations and intuitions of our flesh. Job 25, 4 says, How can man be righteous before God? Or how can he be pure who is born of a woman? Here's Job, you know, he's grappling with this in the Old Testament. You know, he, he gets it. He sees it by nature. Man is just sinful. Man is corrupt. Man is fallible. Man fails and he falls short. How, how can he be righteous? You know, he's born of, of, of a woman and, and, you know, it's just sinful. He sees the sinful nature, no doubt. He sees people, you know, taking on ways of their family and their culture and, and he sees where false religion gets people and so on and so forth. How? How? Well, God showed how and he had a plan. Galatians 4.4, when the fullness of time had come, that means time for prophecy to be fulfilled, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And so she was a virgin, but she herself, even though she's a good woman and a godly woman, she's not completely pure in every kind of way because she's a sinner that needs salvation as much as anybody else. And so uh, Luke 1, 46 and 47, the English Standard Version, and Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. <laughs> Why would she refer to him as her Savior unless she knew she needed to be saved? And so Mary knew this, and she was greatly humbled that God would use her, a sinner, to bring forth a Savior, not only for all of mankind, but for her own very soul. And Christ was uh, fully God, and Christ was fully man because of this. The Holy Spirit orchestrated this supernatural miracle, and the Holy Spirit can supernaturally cause you and I and any other sinner on the planet, by God's grace, uh, to become born again and be filled with God's Spirit where they can bring the, the sinful flesh under the dominion and rule of the Holy Spirit. And it is by God's grace, first and foremost, but it is through faith. Where we choose to believe in the incarnation of Christ, we believe we have to we have to accept Him as He is, and we worship Him, not the woman that God used to birth Him through. Ephesians two eight tells us that we are saved by grace through faith. Amen. And faith is taking him at his word. Secondly, born again, we become like Christ. We become in his likeness in the flesh. 
Because again, Christ, he had two uh, natures. There's the flesh, there's the spirit, there's the man, there's the deity. Uh, you know, Mark really capitalizes a lot as him as the son of man coming as a servant. And there's a lot of emphasis put upon the, the, the hum, human factor there. You read John, and John focuses on his deity. Matthew is a king, you know, to the, the, the Jews. And Luke writing things, you know, is calling it like he, he sees it. And uh, he's on a mission there, historian, and uh, being um, sponsored and, and paid to, to follow and write things, goes on and, and records acts. And uh, the four gospels are very powerful, but you can get those four facets of, of, of Jesus and so, um, but again, you have Mark and, and John uh, really, two, uh, one focusing, you know, on the huma- humanity of Christ and one focusing on the deity. And he demonstrated, again, how to keep the flesh under the dominion of the deity of the spirit. And this is why we follow him. This is why we feed on his word. This is why we pray. This is why we need to be in church. We have sinful natures. We have a sinful flesh. And I'm telling you, man, it's violent. It's nasty. It's ugly. It's determined. We are by, if you don't realize just how sinful you are by nature, you are delusional and you're not safe. You have to realize how sinful you are by nature, how sinful you're capable of being. You know, um, there are bad things that you've never done. Um, But if you think it's not possible for you to ever do such bad things, you are delusional. And I say that because... you. You have to have a healthy respect for the fact that our nature is so determined to sin and it's so capable of going out of control, just, I mean, just making a mess of our lives. Everything we need to destroy ourselves is within us. And you have to have a healthy respect for that. And if you do, then you'll press all the more into your relationship with Christ. You'll press all the more into prayer, into reading his word, to being in church. and being. Uh, you'll be like the psalmist who, who prays and says, God, you know, search me and try me and test me. See if there be any iniquity in me. You know, you will understand what Jeremiah said when he says the heart is wicked and deceitful and who can know it? I mean, these men are saying the closer they got to God, the more they realized they couldn't trust themselves. The closer they got to God, the more sinful they realized they were. The Apostle Paul, I've talked about before, how you follow him through the Gospels. And, um, you know, he goes from things like saying, oh, I'm the least of the Apostles. I'm, you know, Johnny come along lately here. And, um, you know, and he... You know, he speaks about himself in a very humble way. But as it moves through uh, the New Testament, he becomes even more humble and to the point where he says, I'm the chief of sinners. And so uh, the Apostle Paul, obviously a very great man of God, very filled with the Holy Spirit, 
caught up to the third heaven, God showed him things that nobody else uh, would, would ever see, at least not until we get to eternity. And just a very powerful, powerful, powerful. How is it that he could say that he's the chief of sinners? Because he knows that flesh is still right there. And he's got to keep it in check. And that motivates him with a healthy type of fear. He fears what his own flesh could do if he doesn't keep it in check and under dominion of the the spirit. And he fears the judgment of God. He doesn't want the judgment of God. He wants the blessing of God. And he, wants, he doesn't want to be dominated by his flesh and, and under the rule of sin. He wants to have dominion over his sin. He wants to walk in victory and freedom. We live in a world that is predominantly you know, uh, influenced by Satan. The Bible, Paul himself is used, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to say that Satan is the God of this world. And so... What happens a lot of times in this world is everything gets backwards and everything gets looked at backwards and thought of backwards because Satan is twisted and backwards. And so, um, you know, this idea goes around, well, you know, (laughs) I'm not ready to live for God because I just kind of want to be free and have fun. (laughs) That's backwards. Because if you don't live for God, you're anything but free. You're in bondage. You're in darkness. You're in sin. You're lost. You're on your way to hell. You're cursed. But, but that's how it is, see, in, in the world. And that, that's part of why it, you know, it should concern us. And we need to have a healthy respect for the fact that the flesh is there. And we need to understand that if the devil would tempt Jesus, he was certainly going to tempt us. And again, like I said, the Bible says that he was tempted in all points. In every way a man could be tempted, he was tempted. Because that flesh was there. But he stayed ahead of the curve. <laughs> He stayed ahead. He knew what that, what those temptations were. He knew what that would lead to. And he, he was on a mission and he was focused. He said, I didn't come to do my will, but the will of the Father who sent me. And that was to live a life 100% sold out to the will of God all the way to the cross where he would pay the price for our sins and rise again and be seated back at the right hand of the Father, sitting back the Holy Spirit. And so we, we follow him. We feed on his word. We pray. We come to church. And we press in to what he has commissioned us to do as believers, to go into all the world and make disciples. And in doing this, we learn the things that he wants to teach us. We learn, because the flesh manifests in all of that. Because the, the flesh, your flesh doesn't want to pray. Your flesh doesn't want to be in church. Your flesh doesn't want to feed on the word of God. Your flesh doesn't want to do anything that's spiritual. 
And so you come to realize that there's a dominion you've got to get. There are degrees of influence with the Holy Spirit. And uh, your faith has got to be enlarged. And we see that Christ did this so eloquently and so perfectly. And so we've got to constantly feed upon him and learn from him. Isaiah 7, 14 and 15, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey, and when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose, when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. In other words, what the Bible is saying here is that even at a very young age, Jesus is still, you know, eating curds and honey. He's just a little child. He's just coming to the place of where a kid is morally uh, accountable. He will choose what is right. There is something at work in him. He is. He has got a touch of God on his life. He is God. <laughs> He's coming to realize, you know, all of these things. Who knows? We, we can't understand everything once again. But his mama had to know there was something truly different and something truly special about her baby boy. I know every mama thinks that about her baby boy. <laughs> but this was, like, very evident. Because he's doing things different. I mean, like, no doubt. I mean, Jesus would be that kid that is doing the absolute opposite on the playground. You know, he's sharing his toys, probably giving them all away. <laughs> you know, he's, he's not, uh, he's choosing good over, over evil. And she didn't fully comprehend. But again, she believed. Luke 1, 34 through 38, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? You see, she was never the queen of heaven. She wasn't the queen of heaven then. She didn't become the queen of heaven after then. She doesn't, she, she can't get her mind around these things any more than we can. Even though she's the very one that God is going to use. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. The child will be called holy, not you. The child will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said... Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I don't understand all of this, but I'm yielding full right away to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through my life. You hear your pastor say that a lot. I lead you into prayers. I, I use that. Uh, I word it that way to you a lot that you need to, uh, we need to yield full right away to the Holy Spirit. Let God's will be done in our lives. Mary did this in the biggest of ways. 
she yielded full right away to the Holy Spirit. And he put a, a, a human seed in her. And she became pregnant with the Son of God. That is um, incredible. That she would allow you know, herself to be used that way. And just think about it sometime in your own time. Just kind of ponder that. Try to put yourself there. And some very powerful things happening here. Let's close with the King of Kings and a supernatural star. You know, my wife here recently shopped extensively to find what she felt would be a fitting upgraded star for our Christmas tree. I don't know if you had a chance to notice, but you look up there, there's a real beautiful star up there uh, on that tree there. She shopped around quite a bit for that until she found what she thought would be, and I think she made an excellent selection. And, um, you know, think about this this morning. I'm going to just think about that for a moment. Because, again, Christmas is all about the birth of Christ, or it should be. And there's two specific, you know, and unique supernatural miracles uh, at the time of the birth of Christ that happened outside of the birth itself. And one is Luke uh, 2. Chapter 2, verses 7 through 20. I'm not going to read it all for time's sake, but you know, that appeared to the shepherds in the field, you know, an angel, and then a heavenly host of angels, you know, saying goodwill and peace, you know, uh, to man, to earth, you know, and, and the announcement of the birth of Christ. And this, I mean, the heavens opened up, and they saw this, and they went, and they. And then they saw the baby Jesus, and they went praising and worshiping God. A supernatural miracle. And very interesting that that's the first thing that, that you know, God, uh, uh, you know, revealed, uh, you know, the birth announcement to, is to some shepherds. Because Christ is the great shepherd, and he's going to come, and he's going to build his church, and and the church is all about shepherding and so on and so forth. But our God is the King, the Lord, and the Creator of, of all things, including the heavens, the heavenly host, all that you see in the earth, all that you see above the earth, the stars, the space, the planets above. And God is supernaturally, He is able to do anything he wants with any of that, any time he, he wants. And um, supernaturally, God chose to cause a star to get the attention of three astrologers, which we refer to as the wise men, and they followed that star, and that star stopped right above where Christ was born. 
And again, you know, because of the human reasoning thing, you know, people, well, you see, uh, Haley describes, you know, and there's a comment and this and that, and, and, and it's the perfect alignment, you know, and it's a coincidence, and they're, ha- you know, it's like people just love human pride. We just love anything we can explain, and we feel like we need to explain everything. I tell you, God spoke the earth into existence. God created man from the dust of the earth. God breathed life into his nostrils. God is a supernatural God. God caused the virgin to conceive by the Holy Spirit. And God became a man. God is super. I'll tell you what God did. God created a star for the moment. God created a star for the moment. God positioned it directly above the birthplace of Christ. What a, what a spectacular and, and special thing for such a special event. Matthew 2, 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star, it's his star, when it rose and have come to worship him. Go down to verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold, because of his royalty, frankincense, uh, because of his deity, and myrrh, because... He's going to die for us. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is very incredible, but very fitting. That God used a beautiful star to be placed above the most special babe that would ever be born to man and for man. You know, think about it. I was just kind of thinking about this. I'm not really, I don't, I think I've done some research before about trees and why we came to use trees. And probably some here this morning, you might have some insight about that. But I just, I just began to, without doing any research or refreshing, uh, I just thought about, you know, the fact that, you know, we use trees at Christmas time. And, and I just thought, well, you know, trees, they start off as a seedling. And, um, you know, they sprout, they grow, and as they grow, they provide a, a refuge for birds and animals and different things. They provide shade and comfort. They produce oxygen, <laughs> you know, they, they work as filters, you know, they, uh, many of them, they provide food for all different things in God's creation, uh, they're very trees are a very powerful symbol of life 
as well as a life-sustaining resource. And, you know, our Savior, he goes far beyond all that because he is the source of life. Can you say amen? And he is the source of eternal life. And many cannot see that he is the true star of life because so many people are trying to be a star themselves. None of us are stars, and none of us never will be. There is no such thing as dancing with the stars, dancing with sinners. Oh, that person's a superstar. Uh, Just a talented sinner. There's only one star. That's Jesus Christ. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He's God who became a man and completely went counterculture, <laughs> completely went against the tide and the flow and stood strong out of his steadfast dedication to the will of God for his life and his love for you and I. There's nobody that even comes close to being that and never will. Not even Mary tried to be that. Again, the shepherds, they praised and worshiped God. The wise men, they traveled thousands of miles to worship him because they saw value. And they all acknowledged him, including the woman that gave birth to him, as a king and as a savior. This Christmas, I invite you to reflect upon what the holidays are all about. More importantly, what all of our lives ought to be about, Jesus Christ, God who loved us so much, he became a man, born of a virgin, lived amongst man, sinful man, innocently and pure from birth like a tree that just grew perfectly from a seed up to a big, resourceful thing that provides so much life for anyone and everyone who will believe. And at 33 years of age, he chose to die on another type of tree cross to pay the price for our sins but he rose again and he's alive forevermore and he's in the presence of us today by way of the Holy Spirit to provide the supernatural experience of being born again and remaining filled with his spirit until we make heaven our home What else can you say other than Merry Christmas? No greater gift than that. Amen. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.